You're listening to Two Guys on Politics with former Congressman Bill Lipinski and former Chicago City Hall reporter Ray Hanania. Two Guys on Politics examines the perspective of Reagan Democrats. Enjoy the show. I'm Ray Hanania. I'm Bill Lipinski. And uh, we are two guys on politics talking about all the top headlines. The talk of the town, Bill, is what my editor used to call it. What are we talking about? The talk of the town. And the talk of the town are two big stories. One, uh, Silvana Tabaris, the alderman from your old 23rd Ward, um, did something significant. And then uh, maybe we can talk after that about uh, Mayor Lightfoot and... uh, her ties to the, you know, uh, a judge who censored the FOP president and told him he can't basically defend the police union members. So that's, to me, that's I, I think those are a couple of very good topics. There's one thing I want to make mention of before we get into those. Sure. I just thought of it. Uh, Phil Kadner, you know Phil Kadner, right? Oh, yeah. Yep. Now, Phil uh, wrote his last column for the Sun-Times a couple of days ago. Ah. Now, I don't know if that means he's retiring from writing columns or simply not going to be writing uh, in the uh, Sun-Times. Yeah, uh, I don't... You, have you stayed in touch with him at all? No, he uh, he always followed me every place I went. So, and, it, okay. and it's an interesting story because he and I got hired about the same time at the Southtown, Marlon Landwehr. I don't know oh, yeah, if you I remember, remember him. him. Oh, Marlon yes. was a, H. Marlon Landwehr, a great guy, he really was. And Phil had gone the route of professional journalism through journalism school, everything, got hired by the Southtown. And I went the typical Ray Hanania route. It just was what I wanted to do, and it was easy for me to do it. And when the publisher stood up at the newsroom and said, who wants to go to City Hall and cover Mike Bolandic?" everybody ducked except me because everybody knew that that was a boring beat. He was a boring mayor. And uh, as you know, six or eight months after that, I got sent to City Hall, Jane Byrne entered the race and it became the biggest beat in the country. So I think Phil's a good guy, but I think he always resented the fact that I ended up at City Hall creating this huge beat, so many stories and my own column. And it wasn't until I left that his column became prominent at the Southtown for some 35 or 37 years. And uh, then I think the last five years, he got picked up by the uh, Sun-Times, where I was, you know, for uh, nine years uh, after I left the Southtown in 1985. Now I know where he got his lefty tendencies. You mentioned (laughs) he went to professional journalism school. The reason I bring it up is because... uh, uh, he, uh, as I say, he retired, and uh, I used to read his column all the time. Mm. Uh, I send him a text message saying I was very sorry that he was retiring, because uh, most of the time I had read his column. Uh, most of the time I had disagreed with what he had to say, uh, but I always felt that he was a man of integrity, and that you know he wrote exactly what he believed. Uh, and I said, uh, you know, uh, good luck to you in the future. And then he texts me back the next day saying he certainly appreciated receiving that text message from me, particularly in this day and age when people who have different points of view can still talk and can still get along. 
And uh, I felt that was good on his part, and it was good on my part because he was much more liberal than I. But I enjoy reading his columns, uh, and I mean this in the, uh, the nicest way. You have to know, you know, you have to read those things because you have to know your enemy. Yeah, absolutely. I wish he had had that attitude towards me because um, we, we did not agree. Towards, we were good friends for many years, and uh, but we didn't agree. Uh, I think we kind of separated over, uh, you know, the uh, Jackie Mason incident where he wrote something that I thought was pretty vicious when uh, I wrote a column about him this week. And uh, I think he's doing OK, but he has to lift himself up now on his own. Uh, but he still brought a lot of that Tribune uh, cred with him because he has a lot of followers, almost 50,000. I don't doubt it. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So he's doing well. So now that we've been nice, let's uh, roll up our sleeves and be the typical tough guys, Reagan Democrats. Oh, no, we're always nice and pleasant. <laughs> we are. We just talk the facts. That's all. Yes, that's all it is. Now, um, back to the 23rd war. That was your original war, just for those who may not know that. But you were elected to the 23rd ward as a Democratic. You were appointed, I think, right by Daly and then it was elected. Ward, it was ward committeeman. I was appointed in January 1975 as the Democratic ward committeeman of the 23rd ward. I was elected alderman of that ward in February, February 25th, 1975. Yeah, and then I think you served what about ten years or so, or almost eight years. eight years. Yeah, then I ran for uh, Congress against the Democratic incumbent, John Bingo Ferry. Right, John's a good guy, but he'd been in there for a long time, and uh, you okay. uh, really energized that seat, I think, for the Southwest side. You... Yeah, John came from a, a different era in yes. politics. Yeah, uh, he did. You know, he. Uh, he, went, he was sent to uh, Congress by Richard J. Daley, and uh, he wouldn't do anything until he got the word from Richard J. Daley. Right. He wasn't exactly self-motivated. Right. No, I know. John, John was a good guy, and uh, I knew his kid. I think it was an alderman, too, wasn't he? Mark Ferry, yeah, I think. Mark Ferry, that was his nephew. Yeah, I think he was an alderman. I think he got he elected alderman. alderman. Yeah. Back in the days of... Uh, Al Majerzik, the warlord, I used to call him out there, and he was in the 12th ward. I think uh, Mark was in that ward, too. I can't remember. Well, you are absolutely <laughs> correct. Your, your memory is better than you think it is. Oh, uh, well, or, or or what other Mark people Perry think, too. Mark Perry was never aligned with uh, the warlord, yeah, right. as you call him. Uh, well, he, he called himself the warlord. You know, Majerzik, oh, really? oh, yeah, okay. used to say, I am the warlord. <laughs> so, but uh, yeah, but for the listeners, again, you know, that 23rd ward where Alderman Silvana Tabaris is now the alderman was the ward where you had spent many years uh, building up that community. And it shifted a little bit, obviously, but uh, she's done something significant, hasn't she? Yes, she has. Absolutely. She's come out against the mayor of Chicago. Can you imagine a politician in Chicago coming out against the mayor of Chicago? Not as uh, forcefully as a number of aldermen are doing. I mean, I always thought that was just in the, the lakefront liberals that would always come out against the mayor of Chicago. You know, uh, Marty and Bloom and a couple of them, uh, you know, uh, I can't think of all their names, but. Yeah, well, uh, the guy that went to the University of Chicago, what was his name? Yeah, Alderman Susan Simpson, Smith. great guy, good guy. Yeah, very very nice guy. They were all smart but they were oh, yes. always, you know, fighting with the mayor of Chicago. Now we're seeing a new group, uh, Ray Lopez, you know, uh, from the Southwest side also. One of my precinct captains. 
Really smart oh, yeah. guy. I really mm-hmm. like him. He's a good guy. Yeah, and Silvana and Silvana Tabaris too. Uh, I think she was, wasn't she appointed or elected in 2018 to the 23rd ward? I, uh, well, she, first of all, was elected as state uh, representative. Right. Representing uh, that region. And then she moved from uh, being a state rep to being the alderman. And she's also the committeeman or committee woman of the 23rd ward now. Right. And she's very, I, I've talked to her. She's helped out with some issues for a number of uh, constituents like uh, the Arab American community. Um, she's been very helpful to, uh, she listens to everybody, which I like. And, and I assume you guys get along and politically and stuff. I, I frankly don't know her at all. Really? Uh, yes. I, in fact, I had never even seen her until the other day when she was on television talking about uh, this resolution or ordinance that she was uh, putting in uh, to, to backing, in essence, backing the police department. Right. Yeah. To uh, strip the mayor of, I think, of the ability to uh, uh, order a mandated vaccination program to prevent her from doing that um, because you know the mayor Lori Lightfoot who I don't think started as a big fan of the police I always associated her with that terrible defund the police movement um, but she's uh, it now. yeah right she's flipped yeah. right she kind of turned around a little bit um, and uh, she's I trying to do Sabo drive you know she was against that Right. The other day, they uh, started putting up the signs and they broke ground for something containing, uh, uh, talking about Dusabo. She was right there. She cut the ribbon. And she was she holding the sign, sign, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, Consistency I can't. isn't exactly one of her attributes. No, it isn't. And uh, not, uh, I, for somebody who is a minority in the sense that she's a woman, African-American, uh, gay, um, and she talks about how important all those issues are, diversity and everything. She really isn't much. She isn't very diverse beyond those three communities. No, she is not. Yeah, I, that to me, that's a hypocrisy that uh, I find really troubling. Um, and I, of course, I've been a big critic of hers. I tried to reach out to her. I've interviewed every mayor ever, R- Richard J. Daly, all the way to Richard M. Daly, seven of them, including the two weeks that David Orr was mayor. Oh, yes. You know, that brief absolutely. period. I remember that very well. <laughs> and then uh, uh, Rahm Emanuel refused to sit down with me. Never. And then, uh, oh, yeah, he would never talk to me. And I think it had to do with the Arab-Israeli conflict. But Lori Lightfoot, I never understood it. I requested interviews. All I wanted to do was sit and talk to her. You know, even Jane Byrne, who hated me because she believed I was Richie M. Daly's flack uh-huh. as a columnist. Um, she would sit down and do interviews, you know, with me. And it was always, like you said, you know, we disagreed, but it was always kind of most of the time a polite well, disagreement. Listen, Jane Byrne, you might disagree with her one week and the next week yes. you would agree with her because she flipped from week yes. to week at where she stood on various issues. Well, why isn't uh, Lori Lightfoot like that? I mean, she's flipping on every issue all the time, but she still won't let me interview her. Can you believe well, that? I, yeah, Lori Lightfoot, I... When she first announced that she was running for mayor, I, I told a number of people I thought that she would be uh, the one that would be elected mayor. Really? Uh, well, yeah, I, uh, I predicted that. She uh, had the credentials, legal uh, background and um, as a prosecutor, I think, you know, so uh, she, she seemed like she was uh, a person who was very competent. Yeah. Uh, a person that uh, understood all the diversity issues within the city of Chicago. 
But uh, her biggest problem, I think, is she's very thin-skinned. Yes. And as soon as anyone says anything negative about her, yeah. she has to charge right back at that person. Yeah. And then it starts escalating and, uh, you know, I think uh, it doesn't help her at all. Reminds me of a president we just uh, had who was very similar to that. I don't know if she'd appreciate being compared to Tam, but that I, that's exactly it. I, she just can't seem to tolerate the difference of, a, a, you know, of opinion. And okay. uh, I think that's her big fault. I, I agree. Now, getting back to Tavares, I think that what she did was a masterstroke. Yes. Uh, because a great deal of the 23rd Ward is still made up of what I always call the white ethnics. Right. You know, the Poles, the Italians, the Irish, Lithuanians, etc. There's still a large group of those people within her 23rd Ward. Very few of those people are fans of Lori Lightfoot. Right. So yeah. they'd be happy to have their older woman going after Mayor Lori Lightfoot. Also, yeah, I mean, there are an enormous number of policemen, firemen, other city employees who live in the 23rd Ward. And none of them are fans of Lori Lightfoot. Yeah. So the virus is gaining strength on two fronts. Uh, one, just generally, these people don't like her. And number two, there's a lot of city employees who she seems to have been giving a hard time to. So it, it's been a, it was a very good move on her part. I don't know if it was her idea or someone else's idea, but uh, uh, you know, her to move forward with this uh, resolution, uh, as I say, I think it was a very good idea. Yeah, no, I, I think that uh, that assertiveness is really important. That's what aldermen should have. And I think, you know, over the years, we've talked about how, you know, there are many efforts to give aldermen more and more, you know, influence in determining policy. This clearly is a challenge to the mayor to say that, you know, your order to uh, require and mandate police officers to get the uh, COVID vaccination is null and void, I think is the wording in her uh, uh, ordinance that she introduced and to she's taking basically stripping the mayor of that authority to do that that takes a lot of courage i think there's another alderman napolitano who co-sponsored it with her but okay. uh He's and a i think policeman from the north uh, west side yeah and i think that it's going to have a lot of support but it'll be interesting to see which aldermen stand up with lori and which don't and i i think it's purely unfortunately i think it'll have a little racial aspect um, because the police seem to be targeted by this whole old Black Lives Matter movement that they want to defund the police, they want to strip the police of, uh, you know, their authorities and, you know, restrict what they do. And But uh, every day there's uh, crime in the city of Chicago. And I, I just, you know, and they arrest these people and um, the, they don't prosecute them. Now, the police recommend charges, um, but the state's attorney and, uh, you know, the, the powers around Lori and Kim Fox won't approve them. And then these guys are, they're arrested, they're released, and then they go out and they commit another crime, you know, until uh, it gets to the I, point where someone's killed. Uh, Lori Lightfoot and Kim Fox are not friends, not close at all. Lori has joined the police department in condemning many of the things that Fox has done. But only because of uh, politics though, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, she endorsed 
Kim Fox, the last right. time Fox ran. Yes. Uh, and if she hadn't endorsed uh, Kim, uh, she may not have been uh, reelected. I mean, yeah. she had a, a lot of, talk about Lori Lightfoot having problems. Well, Kim Fox has got an awful lot of problems also. Yeah, the only but, one that seems to be emerging out of those significant big three are uh, is the president of the county board, Tony Preckwinkle. Yeah. And she I think like she's managed to stay out of the fray to a great degree. I think Tony's Preckwinkle, who I like, I, I kind of like her. I think she's also a common sense leader. I don't, you know, you don't agree with everybody a hundred percent, but oh, absolutely not. But a lot of the stuff she does, I agree with. I think she tries, she's former alderman, I think from Till was it the third ward? I think I can't remember. Um, or the fourth ward. Um, I don't know what ward it was, but she yeah, is a alderman. from the south side there. And she was very good. I, I remember uh, meeting her a couple of times. Very smart. But she's a backer of uh, uh, Kim Fox. Oh, she is. very. Good. And I think that that's what's happening. I think that uh, Lightfoot and Fox have a political rivalry going. And that's why uh, Lightfoot shifted, completely flipped to fake support for the police and appear like she's backing them hoping she can get their support obviously this fight with the fop is gonna pretty much uh end that it ain't gonna happen she'll ha she'll get some support obviously but um i think that's gonna hurt her but neither of them when it comes to police issues have been very good no they certainly have not even though politically they're on different sides but but they for both seem to comment a great deal on what the other one has to say about the situation. Yeah, that's good. They're, let them fight because I, both of them, but as you know, and I learned this from you years ago, you know, you could have a bad politician uh, in office, you know, somebody uh, who might be a mayor or whatever, or Congress or, you know, state rep. Um, they may have some controversies. They may have issues, but it, it's not about whether they're good or bad. It's about who runs against them. You got to have a strong candidate running against them, right? You can't beat somebody with nobody. Yeah. <laughs> we don't want nobody, nobody sent. Milt okay, Rako's book from uh, one of the aldermen, I think that. Uh, Vito Marzullo. Vito Marzullo. See, Vito I don't Marzullo. know if too many people remember Vito Marzullo, but I remember Vito Marzullo. He was very famous at the time he was around, no question about it. Yes, he was. And he had a good entourage of uh, people that would always be around him as he'd walk through yes, City he Hall. Was. And uh, he he was a and just a he was a nice guy. You know, they always say things about who he associated with. But uh, there was one uh, reporter at City Hall who wasn't making a lot of money. And uh, every couple of weeks, Vito would come in there and give him a little bit of money. Is that right? Yeah, to help him out. That's and good. yeah, and I, I thought, okay, I, I'm not going to say anything about it. This guy needed the money, you know, the poor guy, and uh, he wasn't making much at all. Um, and uh, but I thought that was a nice thing. He cared about you know people. So, but you know, Tavares, he taught, at, uh, he taught a class at one time at uh, I think Harvard or Yale, uh, Alderman Marzullo. Yeah, listen, Vito was a good guy, and uh, we could probably go back over a lot of these guys sometimes and talk to them. But Tabaris is carving out a, uh, an identity, I think, in politics with this ordinance. I think that puts her center stage, and it'll be interesting to see what Lightfoot does. I mean, what could Lightfoot do to her out of anger? I mean, you know, Look, she has really, a lot. Lightfoot has said that her resolution or ordinance, whatever it is, 
will never see the light of day in the city council. Uh, which yeah. means, uh, you know, she's going to do, everything, do everything she can. Very in committee someplace. Well, back in the old days, Daly would never have to have had said that. Oh, it no, would just happen. Right. It would just, right. It was just a done deal. The fact that she has to say it suggests that, you know, maybe she doesn't have the same power the prior or predecessors had as mayor. Well, no, one of the problems we've had in the city of Chicago is that uh, every mayor since Richard J. Daly thought that they got elected Richard J. Daly, not simply mayor of Chicago, right. but they became Richard J. Daly with the enormous power and influence that he had. Right. And none of them, including his son, ever had that kind of power or influence. They right. were mayor of Chicago, but they never inherited everything that the first mayor daily had. And he had a personality too that uh, he could charm the birds out of the trees when he chose yeah. to do so. Yeah, I my first my first assignment was to uh, go to City Hall. Uh, oh, Jack Riley, I think, was uh, a special events director. I think he had a patch. Yeah, I can't remember. And uh, oh, that's he, the guy. He, yeah, he called me up and he said, uh, "You know, you're Arab, right? And you write for a small Arab newspaper." I go, "Yes, I do." He goes, "Mayor Richard, Mayor Daly would like you to come by City Hall tomorrow because we're having an ambassador from Morocco coming here." And he would like you to be there to meet him and uh, write a story about it. That was my first big story. Was it? So I, yeah. And I got photos with the mayor and he was very nice. It was like amazing how nice he was because all the stories about how tough, you know, you'd see him on TV yelling and swearing cuss words at the Democratic National Convention, right? All that stuff. You think, wow, this guy is tough kind of scary, but he was a very kind and uh, I think decent person. So yes, I agree. And Tabaris is the Democrat committee woman and the alderman. So she has a lot of clout. I, I don't know it. You'd think that maybe Lightfoot might try to reach out and come to some agreement with her to provide, you know, to recognize the issues that she's trying to raise. But that's probably not going to happen. No, I doubt that that's going to happen. No, you have to give Tabaris credit, though. I mean, she was uh, yes. helped enormously uh, when she was a state representative and then become alderman by Mike Madigan. Yes. Uh, but when Mike Madigan fell uh, from being the speaker, uh, she wound up opposing his appointment to take his place in the uh, in Springfield. Uh, Madigan got his guy originally, but it turns out that his guy had feet of clay. So they right. had to remove him very quickly. Right. And uh, Madigan then accepted the person that Tabaros had backed in the first place. Right. So she was willing to... Uh, you know, abandon her uh, allegiance to Madigan when he was of no particular value to her any longer. So she's a pretty cunning, uh, crafty yeah. politician. Well, I, you know, and you know, I, I've always liked Mike Madigan. We've all, we had a few ins and outs during the Jane Byrne years when, uh, uh, you know, Mike had backed Jane Byrne and uh, it was a, that was a tough time. But before that and after that, uh, I remember you and, uh, Madigan coming to my house out to celebrate my fifth year of writing the political grapevine over at my house out in the oh, Southwest suburbs. I forgot all about the grapevine. Yes, yeah. You came out there with Mike Madigan and I thought, wow, Mike Madigan is out here. And I, I remember when Belandic introduced me to Mike Madigan, he said, Mr. Hanania, come over here. And I, I, of course he was the mayor and I went up there and he goes, I want you to meet this guy, Mike Madigan. He's from your area. 
he's going to be a powerhouse one day. That's what he said. And I think he was, uh, that was like 1978. And uh, Mike was always a gracious and good person. And uh, oh, yeah. uh, it was, and very influential. And I thought he did a great job. Not everybody agrees with me, but I, I liked him. So um, we'll see what happens. How many votes? Tabara still has to get 26 votes, right? Correct. To get that passed and to first get it all, introduced. First of all, she has to get it out of committee. Right. Uh, and that's probably going to be a very difficult uh, uh, thing for her to do. Although I think she's got, uh, someone told me, uh, don't go to the bank on this, but someone told me she has 10 people that have signed on to that ordinance. Uh, right. Now, it's probably other people who are from the Southwest side. I don't know. I'm just, you know, I'm just well, surprising that might be the case. Well, sometimes you don't need to win the the uh legislative battle to win the fight right i mean this publicity that she's getting really kind of puts her toe to toe with the mayor and she looks good in it i you know her uh, video that she did or uh statements that she's put out she looks like a very smart person so you know you can even if it doesn't go through she's going to come out with some you know uh, strong credentials i think and the president of the uh fraternal order of police lives in the 23rd ward Oh, he does. All right. No wonder I like the guy. Yeah. Okay. You know, I, they were attacking me on Twitter because uh, it, the, you know, we were talking earlier at the beginning of the show about all the viciousness and politics, yes. and name calling that that they were using against them. And when I said, you know, why do why do you call people names? Why don't you just address the issues? They started calling me names. Oh, is that right? But, you know, little do they understand that the best thing that can happen to a journalist is to be singled out and attacked. And I learned that from Jane Byrne, <laughs> her first big mistake I think she made when she uh, went after a little new, uh, community newspaper reporter that nobody really knew until she put me on the map. But uh, Captain Zara seems like a, a smart guy. Um, you know, maybe he goes a little too far with his rhetoric, but he's on the right side. You know, of this, I think the police are a special category. Personally, I don't think we should uh, require this vaccination mandate for them. I, I don't think it's the right thing to do. I got vaccinated. I think people should be vaccinated, but I don't think we should be forcing people to be vaccinated. It, no, it's a tough issue. I'm vaccinated. I got the booster shot already. I would like to see everyone become vaccinated but I don't think we should force anyone to put anything into their body that they don't want to do. Right. I never and, get the, I never get the flu shot. Oh, no, I, you're against the flu shot. Yeah, I'm against it. I just, I, I, I don't want to do it, but it forces me to be more careful to not get the flu. But every doctor that I see says, Oh, you should get it. I say, well, I'm going to work extra hard not to expose myself to the flu. But, you know, that just happens to be me. But I would be upset if they said, no, you have to get the flu shot. I, that would upset me. It'd be wrong, I think. Yeah, I would, uh, I would agree with that. I don't believe any American should be forced to do anything that he doesn't want to do or she doesn't want to do. So, uh, so you and I are on the same wavelength there. Yeah, so the FOP um, is, was telling the uh, Chicago police, I think they're like 12,500 Chicago police officers, not to report their vaccination status, you know, because that was a demand that the mayor made. And I think a lot of them, a third of them have not reported their status. 
And I, I know because I've worked with some of the suburbs in the West and Southwest suburbs, um, a lot of Chicago police have been seeking la lateral transfers out of Chicago. It's got to be the worst place to work for a police officer. Nobody has your back in the administration. The level of violence there is so high. And no matter what you do, you're the first person they blame. Even when somebody, a criminal has a gun, you know, and they confront you on the street, you shoot the person. Suddenly it's the police officer's fault, not the fault of the criminal with the gun who was on drugs. It's yeah. unbelievable to me. No, I agree. And uh, the, uh, the president of the FOP uh, certainly is very assertive when he's uh, talking about the various issues that affect the uh, police department. But I think for this time in this place, he's an outstanding leader uh, for the uh, fraternal order of police. They're in a war and uh, they need a strong uh, outspoken right. leader. Now, if everything was peace and quiet and everyone was supporting the police department, he'd right. probably be a leader that would be out of step. Right. But right now, he's like General Patton. When you, you need, need to win it, you got to have a man. you got to have a warrior. Right. And I don't exactly. know if he reminds he, he reminds me a little bit. I don't know if you remember Moon Muscari, who was the uh, chief of the fire, Chicago Fire Department. Oh, yes. Yes. When, when he led the firemen out on strike on Jane Burns first year in office, I think. The battle of the barrel. Yes, it was. That was a tough one. And he didn't back down either. He really fought hard for uh, the rights of firemen and the fire department. So it's interesting. But I, the worst part of this whole thing with Mayor Lightfoot and Kent, uh, John Cantanzara and the FOP is that um, Lightfoot asked for an injunction to stop Cantanzara, you know, from really communicating with the police and telling them that as a union, you shouldn't have to, you know, disclose he's your. Collect, he's trying to protect collective bargaining. Yes, he's he's trying to, and he argues that she's trying to destroy the union. Um, right. But they went to a judge who happened to work in the same firm with the mayor. Um, well, they know each other, Cecilia Horan, and uh, who also happens to be gay. Now, there's nothing wrong with being gay. God bless you. Be whatever you want. I don't care, but. There's a friendship there that seems to cross the ethical line. And the judge ordered Catanzara to stop telling police officers not to disclose their vaccination status. Mm -hmm. It's like the judge took sides, you know, with the mayor and it just seemed wrong. And there we're stuck fighting over that right now, I think. Aren't they trying to get a different judge? Yes. Uh, to uh, handle the matter between the mayor and uh, the president of the FOP? Well, Captain Zara won't, uh, you know, obviously wants a new judge, but right. Lori Lightfoot does, you know, is happy with the judge she has. This is a judge that's friendly to her, mm -hmm. right? But, and I've already, I've written a column demanding that, you know, Haran should step down. I think this is ridiculous. I'm tired of judges that overstep their bounds sometimes. You know, be a good judge, treat people fairly. She'd get so much more respect. You know, rather than taking sides, I mean, there was no basis for her ruling. You know, she didn't, there was, there wasn't anything. She just said, no, I'm, I'm going to continue the Lightfoot's, uh, I'm going to give Lightfoot the uh, injunction, the temporary restraining order to prevent uh, Katanzara from saying anything. And you know me, censorship is the worst thing.
So yes, I agree. It's a it's a terrible thing. I don't know if it's the worst thing, but uh, you know, sometimes during my political career, I probably would have liked to have censored a reporter or two. Well, because they were you know very uh, uninformed and uh, spoke out on an issue and didn't really know what they were talking about. Well, in the ideal situation is even when somebody says something that may or may not be accurate, they hear something, you know, the press hears something, they report it. The ideal situation is that there's a conversation and a discussion. Uh, I, I've done that many times. Uh, you know, people, I would write something, an opinion based on how I interpreted something. And someone would write me and say, listen, you're missing this point. And if it sounded reasonable to me, I would adjust it and say, you know what? Based on that, I've changed my mind. I don't think that's flip-flopping when, you know, when you adjust your thinking based on hearing all the different uh, opinions. But when they don't let you, you know, when they don't tolerate opinion diversity um, and you're kind of pushing one agenda, um, I think that's where the, you know, the problem really comes from. Well, the problem that I have with the news media is that the best overwhelming majority definitely are left of center. And, and so many of them, their columns find that's an opinion, but not when they're writing a straight news story. Right. And you can see so much slanting going on in a straight news story to the left yeah. by many of these, uh, you know, uh, reporters, uh, columnists. I mean, you have to admit, I think that the overwhelming overwhelming majority of reporters and columnists definitely lean left. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I think that uh, not only do they lean left, but I think, you know, a columnist, they have the right to an opinion because they say to you, this is my opinion. A newspaper reporter who's supposed to be covering something shouldn't be interjecting their opinion into the story. No, you know, and, and that's what's happening. The left, these reporters, the journalists on the left are basically steering the discussion to the left because they I agree with it and they're using their influence to, uh, you know, to uh, influence the discussion. I think that's wrong. I've, I think hypocrisy is worse, you know, and I blame the media for a lot of our problems today. Well, I'm sure when President Trump is elected once again, he'll solve that problem for us. I, I don't think so. His big problem was he we were talking earlier about uh, Lightfoot, who uh, she just can't, you know, uh, stop herself from responding when she doesn't like something. That was Trump's big problem. He just couldn't. You said something about him and suddenly it was what you said that became the focus instead of the bigger picture of what he tried to do. Some good programs. He tried to do some great things and uh, he got kind of sucked into that fight with the media. And uh, I think part of his problems were of his own doing. So I don't, like you said earlier, many other podcasts, I don't know what's going to happen in two years in the presidential race. Um, but we do need a, a good Reagan Democrat to stand up. We certainly do. All right, Bill. I think we covered everything in this podcast. It's always a pleasure talking with you. It's anything else at all? or? Uh... No, I didn't realize that you wrote a column about John Cass, or did John Cass write a column about you? Which way was it? I wrote about John Cass. I have to, I'll have to get off here and look that up and read it. I want to see what you had to say about my friend John Cass. Yeah, it was in the uh, Southwest News Herald uh, this, this week. It just came out, 
and also in the Des Plaines Valley News and uh, the regional. So uh, there's still some community papers left. So I'm happy to be writing for them and contributing my thoughts to uh, protect the Reagan Democratic conservative. Uh, you're, you're lucky to have you. I think I'm lucky to be able to still be able to write. So, all right, Bill, listen, thank you. It was again enjoyable. I'm Ray Hanania. I'm Bill Lipinski. And we'll talk to you again next week. Bye-bye, everybody. Thank you. You've been listening to Two Guys on Politics with former Congressman Bill Lipinski and former Chicago City Hall reporter Ray Hanania. The Two Guys on Politics podcast offers opinion commentary on issues in the news on local, regional, and national American politics from the perspective of Reagan Democrats. For more information on their podcast, visit SuburbanChicagoLand.com.